this is Jewish Board Talk with Sheree Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. Maimonides is considered the greatest Jewish philosopher of the Middle Age. Amongst those who influenced, influenced his thinking were Aristotle, as well as two philosophers of the Islam faith, namely Ibn Rushd and Al-Farabi. To explore the cross-pollination of, our, of the region and the way respective religious philosophies influence each other, I'm happy to have Rabbi Ramon Woodmont and Mohammed Nur Nodin for the last part of our series. Rabbi Ramon is the Dean of the Academy of Jewish Thought and Learning, and Mohammed Nur is a thought leader and risk analyst. Mohammed Nur, can you just explain the general tenets that guide the ideology or thinking of the Muslim faith? Thank you very much uh, for the series, and uh, thank you. It's, it's the last part of our series, and I've had a lot of interesting discussions, and I've really learned a lot from, uh, from Rabbi Ramon. So thank you to you and your radio station for giving us this opportunity. Uh, Sharif, you know, I, I think like, like Judaism, Islam is guided by monotheism. The basis, the fundamental part of Islam is monotheism. You know, irrespective of halal, hijab, or any of that, all of that has to, all of that is grounded in monotheism. Trying to, trying to fulfill the intent of the creator, how the creator wants us to live, how the creator wants us to engage, what the creator wants us to do. And of course, us perceiving and understanding the creator in very defined, very specific terms. Uh, you know, uh, and this is, this is what, 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 what Islam is, is founded on. A concept called Tawheed from the word Wahid, which means one, the oneness of all, the oneness of God. Uh, which is of course why, why Islam is again so similar to Judaism and very different to Christianity, uh, you know, Tawheed versus uh, Trinity, very different. And so when we talk about philosophy, I think Muslim philosophers uh, in the 900s, 800s, 1100 going up to Ghazali around that time, they, you know, who came after Al-Farabi and Ibn Rushd, the fundamental part of what they're trying to do is to find meaning and codified the meaning of the intent of the creator and then find that or then see how that meaning can be codified into law, into ethics, into morals, into jurisprudence, etc. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's at the beginning of the discussion, but in, in, in a nutshell, that is what I won't say that was necessarily the intent of, of those philosophers. It definitely was part of what they tried to do. But philosophy from Islam, or what the greater intent of Islam is, what underlines Islam, is Tawheed. And, and, and philosophy then has to serve, you know, understanding the creator and codifying these understandings into everyday of life, everyday life. I think that, uh, as Muhammad Nur said correctly, the, 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 the singular contribution the, that uh, Judaism made to, to the world is the introduction of this idea of monotheism. And it, it really does stand at the heart of our beliefs and also of our ethics and our laws. Um, in, in a, in a very, in a very clear way, when, when Judaism came upon the world, the world was polytheistic and polytheism had several significant issues with it, which are highlighted throughout the Torah. The most prominent of which is that if there are multiple gods vying for supremacy in a pantheon, then there is no single standard of morality with a capital M. There's no objective moral code. It's not always wrong to kill a child. You know, if the god of thunder says, I want your firstborn child uh, as a sacrifice to make it rain, 
then that's what you did. And when the Torah came along and said there's one God, it wasn't merely reducing the number of gods in the pantheon. So from 30 gods, you went down to only one. It was also a, a qualitative change, not just quantitative. Qualitatively, uh, Judaism was saying that this thing that you're going to call God is uh, completely beyond this world, transcendent, not of this world, and creates an objective moral code, which therefore applies in every place and in every time. And that was a radical concept, which for most people was completely bizarre. Today, it's far more believable when we have an understanding of how, quote unquote, invisible unseen powers like gravity and electromagnetism and radio waves pervade everything without us being able to sense them. That's how we're doing this interview. Um, But back then, no one could even imagine some unseen, completely universal force which created laws that were obeyed everywhere. And essentially, that's what the Torah came along and said, that nature itself was the product of this God, a law-giving moral God, and the, the natural world, world obeys God. That's why natural laws are consistent and work in every space and time. And that, of course, is the basis of modern scientific method, that those laws never change. Similarly, though, Judaism came along and said, Morally, the same thing applies. There are, mo- there are moral laws that similarly apply at all places and all times, and that's what we call morality. And really, at its heart, that's, that's what we're about. We look at evolution of philosophy, though. What, what we believe then, do we necessarily believe today? And to what extent, you know, I'm talking about now in the Middle East where the, the religions uh, live side by side. To what extent are we influencing each other today? Um, Muhammad Nur. Realistically, you know, Islam came as a Muhammad, Muhammad was born about 1,450 or some odd years ago, or 60 years ago. Uh, and, and Judaism is, is much, much older than that. And so Islam's experience with philosophy was quote-unquote relatively new. But at the same time, when Islam came about as a power and as a force and as a developed force, that is expanding militarily, intellectually, spreading the religion across Mid-East, North Africa, Southern Europe, up into Asia. That was around the year 800, 900, and in that time. And so Muslims, of course, then uh, occupied lands which were which had inhabitants. These inhabitants were Christians, and there were, and there were many Jews as well. And so it's interesting, you know, that that that, that Muslims came and we found Jews. Uh, and so that, that's what, and we find at his other ethnicities. Uh, at the same time, Muslims then found this philosophy. We went into Persia and we found a Persian culture. We went into Southern Europe and we found the philosophy with this philosophy, those texts of Aristotle and Plato. We went into North Africa and 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 and, 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 and we found all of these texts and and and, and, the, and this knowledge. And Muslims were unfortunate that by the time they came. A lot of, a lot of these concepts and ideas had already been developed and they then took it to the next level. Uh, you know, of course, bringing it into Islam by translating and writing and so forth. And secondly, then developing new concepts like Al-Farabi and Ibn Rushd added onto the concepts of Aristotle and added onto the concepts of Plato. I Meaning they developed their knowledge, they developed it, they, they developed their theories. They, 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 they uh, they debated their theories. 
They agreed and disagreed with some of the theories. And then at the same time, they also developed Islamic thought through the, 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 the systems that were created by these theories. And then Al-Farabi and Ibn Rushd looked at things such as governance. What is the correct way to govern? What is the morality of governance? Uh, and, and, and they even took it further that uh, a lot of these concepts of logic, these concepts of morality and so forth, were then introduced into how we understand Islam. The, the, these, these philosophers impacted jurisprudence, and they impacted it at its most fundamental and primary level in something which we call usul al fiqh which is fundamentals of, 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 of Islamic jurisprudence. Meaning, how do you derive text? How do you, sorry, how do you derive law from text? How do you derive a law from the Quran, from the Sunnah, from the Hadith of the Prophet, the Sinkh of the Prophet, etc.? All of this knowledge was greatly influenced by philosophers. And so Muslims come into, into these lands and they, and they meet other peoples and they meet other nations and they meet other philosophers and they meet other scholars. And given the fact that Muslims and Jews are so similar, there was then a cross-pollination where Muslims, Muslim philosophers learned from Jewish philosophers, Jewish philosophers learned from Muslim philosophers. And I believe that, I would like to think that at that time in the world, there was, there was a probably, I believe there was more objectivity towards serving knowledge because knowledge served a higher cause. And we saw a lot of cross-pollinization between scholars, uh, philosophers specifically. In, in from the 800s, 900s, 1,100, 1, and, and, and in this period. After the break, we're going to look a little bit at um, what people can expect when we have our uh, webinar on the 13th of December. Uh, before we go to the break, let me just remind you that I'm talking to Rabbi Ramon Woodmond and Mohammed Nur Nurdin. Rabbi Ramon is the Dean of the Academy of Jewish Thought and Learning, and Mohammed Nur is a thought leader and risk analyst. They will be hosting a webinar, a Zoom webinar, on the 13th of December at 7.30 p.m. And if you have any questions or would like to register, you can do so at info at theacademy.org.za. That's more coming up after the break. This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. I am talking to Mohammed Nur Nuddin, a sport leader and risk analyst and social commentator, and, and Rav Ramon Woodmont, and we're talking about philosophy. Rav Ramon, you wanted to comment on cross-pollination and uh, identity in the region. Yes, I think that the, the space of uh, philosophy in the Jewish world um, itself has a really profound and interesting past that has a lot to do with different ways about thinking about the world. Um, as uh, the late Rabbi Sachs put it in his beautiful book, The Great Partnership, um, there are different ways to think about the world, and that's historically and, of course, in the present as well. Our first encounter with, quote-unquote, philosophy happens around 330 BCE when Israel is conquered by Greeks under the, under Alexander the Great. And Greek philosophy and its ways of thinking about the world, which are far more similar to us through geometrical, mathematical type logic, that was the first time that type of thinking was introduced into the Jewish space. And it, it, it really precipitated a fight. Uh, eventually landing up in a civil war between Greek, uh, Greek thinkers and followers, Jewish, uh, Jewish followers of Greek thought in the land of Israel called Hellenists and Jews who opposed that, who said, no, we don't want anything to do with that type of philosophizing. And, and that, that battle 
both uh, physical and spiritual, is what we commemorate in our festival of Hanukkah, which uh, which is just coming up. And to a, to a large extent, that uneasy relationship really begins at that stage. And uh, within the Talmud, we see that there are expressions saying, you know, maybe you shouldn't learn Greek philosophy, shouldn't teach it to your children. But as time goes by, Jews are able to look at this process and and really utilize it as another way to serve God. And in many ways, it's an expression of the belief that God created us to serve God with all parts of our being, including our brains. And this is a major part of Torah learning. So once people had reflected on the method of Greek philosophy, not necessarily its content, people started saying, look, the method is fine. The, the conclusion is not necessarily, but we can use the method. And it became more widespread. So in the in the Alexandrian Jewish community, Philo, the, the Jewish Greek writer, was one of the first to create sort of a synthesis. And, and this continued. And uh, to a large extent, with the ending of the Roman Empire – and the hiding and of uh, Greek philosophy behind the language barrier because people didn't speak Greek anymore. So in many ways, it sort of moved out of the Jewish space. But when, as Muhammad described it, Islam started conquering that region, and particularly when it when it conquered Syria, there were many people there who spoke Greek still, and they translated Greek philosophy into into Arabic. And that's when Greek philosophy started making its impact in the joint Muslim-Jewish world, particularly those parts of the Jewish world where they spoke Arabic. So we're talking about uh, not only the Middle East, but also eventually in Spain. And those became areas where Muslims and Jews together battled with these ideas introduced by Greek philosophy and they really helped each other, uh, and they really gave a huge amount uh, to each other. And very interestingly, certain parts of the of the Muslim world's philosophy um, were, were, we think, scholars think, began around dialogue with Jews. So one of the most famous sects, the, the Mutakalum, uh, as, 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 as referred to by Maimonides, called the Kalam, um, they 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 had a really large impact on many Jewish thinkers and vice versa. Uh, they started asking questions about, you know, how do we understand evil in the universe? Um, is, uh, is, if, can God have a body? And those are the questions that they started raising. And there was a huge amount of cross-pollinization, of course, reaching its, its pinnacle with Maimonides. Maimonides was a, was a Jew who was born very much into this environment in, in Muslim Spain. And, um, his, his mother tongue essentially was Arabic, uh, and he's got an Arabic name, Abdullah. That's his family surname, which means uh, uh, the servant of God. And uh, he plays a major role in, in further uh, Muslim philosophical development. And he quotes a fortune of very, very profound and important Muslim Aristotelian thinkers, some of whom you've mentioned. So there was a huge amount of interplay uh, at that point, and it's important to remember that in in the rest of the world, that that level of mm-hmm. of complexity was never reached. Was never reached. Uh, the, the Muslim world at that stage was the most sophisticated, civilized place, and very tolerant of Jews compared to anywhere else in the world. The recent signing of the Abraham Accords uh, has shown that the the, the friendship 
that underlines the religions is there and it has been developed. We are ending this conversation on FM, but we're beginning it on a webinar that will take place on the 13th of December at 7.30 p.m. And for details, for registering or asking questions, you can send that to info at the academy. Rav Ramon, what do you envisage for the 13th of December? I envisage uh, our listeners participating by putting in their questions and engaging in a learning process. Both uh, Mohammed and I have mentioned that uh, it's been a, a real learning process to hear from each other and also a really positive space to be able to conduct just uh, some, some basic dialogue and learning a bit about each other. And uh, that's a really positive process. We hope that uh, people will play their part, which is to ask questions and uh, get involved. Mohamed Nur, what are you hoping to achieve? Thank you, Sharice. First of all, I'd like to again thank uh, HIFM for affording us this opportunity. And, you know, we are South African, and if there's one thing we love to do in this country, and we do it effectively, is, uh, is we talk to each other. And Muslims and Jews, we go back a very long way. Uh, and as this program has showed, there are interesting similarities and interesting differences uh, between us. And I would like the listeners, uh, you know, to take, to, to, you know, to take this opportunity to, to engage us. You know, as we talk at the moment, you know, the USA is burning, Europe is burning, Eritrea is burning, Armenia, Azerbaijan is burning. And it's primarily because of identity. There's a huge identity crisis in the world. And I'm sure that the leaders of Judaism, and I would urge the leaders in Islam, Muslim communities, you know, not to subject our, our, our religions and our faiths to be victims uh, or, or, or unduly, you know, be, be engaged in, 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 in unnecessary wars of identity. And hence, dialogue between our faiths, between uh, in creating spaces and platforms such of this, uh, such as this as this platform, is critical, you know, in us understanding each other, uh, understanding each other's identities, and in the true South African way, you know, a, ro- a rainbow nation, trying to know each other better. And, and coexisting better uh, in, 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 in a fashion which is informed, you know. Uh, you know, we Muslim, Muslims and Jews in this country, we work together. Uh, we are employed by each other. We are business partners. Our children uh, play soccer together, play rugby together, at school together. And I think it's by time, you know, that we deepen the understanding of each other's faiths and each other's cultures. Uh, and so this, this program has given us opportunity, and, and I hope that the listeners will engage us in, in, in the upcoming platform webinar uh, to assist us, you know, in disseminating information and getting to know each other much better. Thank you so much again, Cheris, and to Chayefim and your listeners. Thank you very much, Mohamed Nur. Um, this, this was the first of the series. Um, I know that between the two of you, in addition to a webinar, you're going to take this conversation forward, and this is just the beginning. We hope will be more coordination, co- coordinated attempts at Islam and Judaism leaders, leadership, ordinary people getting together and talking because we know that the goodwill is actually out there and there's a lot already being done. So, Mohammed Noor, thank you so much for joining me. I've loved it. Uh, Rav Ramon, thank you very much. I've learned so much not only about Islam but also Judaism, so thank you very much for that. And, um, gentlemen, yeah, I look forward to seeing you on the 13th of December at 7.30 and I'm sure many of our listeners will too. If you would like to join, please send an email to info at academy.org.za. Send your questions and register.